you can't tell us what your projects are until April, and that's fine. We understand that completely. We'll be back. Does it have anything to do with cars? Can you say that? Um, one of the new programs will be automotive related. Um, and also with Motor Trend. Um, and then one of the other new potential programs will be with a different network and not automotive related. Not automotive related, which Bob, you understand means <laughs> yeah. it's either got something to do with dating, thermonuclear <laughs> physics, or maybe it has something to do with deep sea vibing. Are we close? You guys are good. You guys yeah. are really good. <laughs> Welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities and more. I'm Randy Cardoon. Now, this week on the show, Bob Beck and I will check out the Barrett-Jackson Auto Auction in Scottsdale. And we'll feature the story of how one car builder found a 1960 Plymouth Fury, then customized it up a bit, painted it all black, and then put it up for auction. Then we catch up with Christy Lee from All Girls Garage. I haven't talked to Christy in a while. And get the real story about how she ended up playing Mrs. Claus in a Dodge Challenger commercial. Remember that? And some build-it-yourself hot rods and a company that now builds four-wheel and three-wheel conversion kits for your Harley Davidson soft tail. Really? But first... The car that if you followed our pal Scott Newstead, who's been on the show, he, of course, is from Cold War Motors. Uh, he has a YouTube page. You can see all his shows. You know he's in the middle of a 1960 Plymouth Fury rebuild. I think I just saw number nine, episode number nine of the rebuild. He has a ways to go, but it's still coming along. And it's almost something where you really have to watch this show. Anyway, he took the top of the Fury, took it off the chassis because it was rusty he puts it on top of a 1960 dodge chassis which was much less of a rust bucket and basically the same chassis because plymouth and dodge of the, that year basically fit now there's buddy marshall of cedar ridge colorado buddy we ran into at barra jackson buddy went through some hoops to say the least, so he could acquire a similar 1960 two-door Plymouth Fury. Well, he brought it to Barrett-Jackson with the intent to sell it after he put a lot of work into it. I found this car in a junkyard. Uh, when I first moved to Cedar Ridge in 98, I was actually looking for a 58, and I talked to some car guys in the area, and they told me there was only one of these cars in the county, and they told me who owned it. So I went and met this guy, at his junkyard and he was leaving the junkyard as we pulled in me and my brother and uh, I told him I was looking and I heard he had a 58 or 60 Plymouth and he said yeah he said I got one back there I said well when you coming back so I can come look at the cars he says go ahead he said I we're going to go pick a car up he said just wander around make yourselves at home and so we wandered around this guy's junkyard and we found this car and it was uh, the passenger door was bashed in uh, but the car was all whole other than that. And uh, the guy would not sell. This guy doesn't sell. So it took me eight years to get this car bought. And I traded him five cars for this one car. Really? Five? I wanted this car really bad. Uh, and he, the guy don't like money. He figures if I sell something, the money will be gone in two or three days, and then my car's gone, and the money's gone. So he's into the barter system. So he's into the barter system. And so 
I finally come up with the right amount of cars and the right cars for him to trade because he knew I wanted this car pretty bad and it was the only one in the county. So I bought, we finally made the deal, got the car home. Uh, before we left his shop, me and my buddies went down and we stripped the car all the way down, uh, took everything off of it, loaded it on the trailer and took it to a bead blaster and had the car all bead blasted. And uh, What was left? Oh, it was everything. It was the only thing that was rotten on the car was uh, there was a little bit of rust under the the quarters, at the very bottom of the quarters, and uh, the trunk looked fully intact, but it was uh, undercoated on the bottom and on top. I took a hammer to check to see how good the the trunk was once we pulled the gas tank out. And Always hammer, worked for and me. The hammer fell through. The hammer fell through. All that was there was two layers of. Uh, undercoating uh -huh. so we uh, we blasted all everything out and uh, I called my buddy up in Elko Nevada and uh, asked him if he would like to help me build this car and so he said yes yeah. so we took it up to his place put it on the rotisserie and we were originally just going to put a twin turbo 440 throw some paint on it and go have fun uh, but he talked me in. They said, "Let's let's build a pro touring kind of uh, resto mod, and just put a mild motor in it." I said, "Okay." We and again, we're we're talking about a 1960 Plymouth. Now, for those of you who can't imagine what a 60 Plymouth was, the forward look was in '57. It was basically because of the fins. So, so fins were the thing in '57, '58, and '59. But by '60, it was starting to fade off. Even the Cadillac had started mellowing out on fins. But yet, Plymouth had the biggest fins in the in the U.S. That's right. The '60 fins are the tallest fins of any vehicle built. Okay. Continue. And so, I had a. We were at my other shop at home. I was building a Challenger, and I bought an Indy cylinder head crate motor, the six-one Hemi. Back then, they were. This was the top of the food chain as far as Hemi engines, uh, and I said, "Well, let's just put one of these engines in it. I'll bring my six-one up to to use it for mock-up." And my buddy had never seen this engine because uh, this this one here from Indy looks like a 426 Hemi because this it, this one's got a six-pack on it, carburetors, and all the the coil packs are hid under the intake, and it's got standard. Hemi valve covers, dual plug heads, and it looks like a 426 Hemi. Did it run an Indy, or or is it just look? So, Indy cylinder head is a oh, company Indy that builds engines, and so it's a crate motor. And so I, we took the motor up there, and Alan looked at the motor because he'd never seen one, and he said, "You know, you're not getting this motor back. It's not going in your Challenger. We're leaving it here." So we stuck the motor in here, and uh, I called, uh, had a guy build me a, a 518A transmission. And we just started building the car, and we were just throwing ideas off each other. And so we ended up with a four-link competition engineering four-link uh, rear end with Curry uh, 355 gears. We ordered up a, uh, I, I called the guys at uh, Altercations Front Suspension. They do all Mopar front suspensions. And I called them guys up, and uh, we took the measurements. And this, was the, this one's a little bit wider than an E-body. A Challenger or a Cuda, so I called the guy up at uh, at altercations and told him I says I want one of your front suspensions for an e-body, and he said What are you building, a Challenger or a Cuda? I said I'm building a '60 Fury. <laughs> and what was his reaction to that? And he says it won't work. He says that that front end's not designed for the for these C bodies. I said 
just send me the front end. You'll make it work. And we'll make it work. Oh and so we put the front end in and it works perfect. And once we had the car on the road and, and built, we got it in the magazine. And then the guy at- Magazine, at, which one? Mopar Action. Got it. Uh, what, do you, what month was it, do you remember? Oh, December of 2004, okay. I think it is. Okay. And so the guy from uh, Altercations, he read the article, he calls me, and he says, you did get that front end under your car. I said, yeah, it works, and it works perfect. It's, and uh, he said, well, I'd like to use your car as advertisement. I said, that's cool. Send me my money back. <laughs> and he said, no. So you can imagine what some I told the, him. Some of the money. Oh, he didn't even offer you some of the no, money? Nothing. Nothing. He just wanted to use the car for advertisement for his company with that front end under it. Okay. And so, no, he's not. A man who doesn't know business and how that works. <laughs> okay. So. Let me ask uh, you this. I, I couldn't help but notice. Now, for those who know the 60, 61 Plymouth, I think, too, they have a very unusual dash. It's kind of like, it's almost suspended, not suspended, but it's, it's, yeah. it's completely off the dashboard itself. Right. Yet you seem to have found a digital one? Yes. Where, where did that come from? Dakota Digital. Okay. So, and, and we and just, just did a separate one and they had to put it together, we did, obviously. We, we, we did that. We bought their inline and we made it, we retrofitted it to fit the dash. Wow. The, the pod, I, I call it a pod because that's what it looks like. It looks yeah, like exactly. a spaceship sitting on top of the dash. So, but, but yeah. Remember that was like the year of George, I think that's when the Jetsons, Jetsons came on yeah. about that time. So everything was yeah. kind of, Mopar in Plymouth was a little bit ahead of its time in some ways, and then not so much in some other ways like the Fins in 1960. Okay, so you've had this car uh, several yeah, years. Yeah, 10 years, yes. Okay, so why are you selling it? I live on a dirt road. I have about 40 cars, and we, uh, we, I drove the car. I put about 200 miles on it since we built it, and it was really nice, and I really didn't want to mess it up. So, and I, the way I look at a car is if, I, if it sits in my garage for over a year and I don't drive it, then it needs to find a new home. Let somebody else enjoy it. And uh, every time I take this car out and I park at the far end of a parking lot where there ain't nobody, when I come out, there's four or five cars all around it. So, and, and you worry, and it, the car being black, you worry about it all the time. And so when I decided to sell it, uh, we, we wanted to tighten up the lines. It, it, to me, it wasn't Barrett-Jackson quality yet. I mean, okay. it's a nice car. It's a nice car. Don't get me wrong. It's a, the car's well-built, but the, the, the lines and stuff were, the gaps wasn't exactly the way I wanted them. And so that's when I contacted Randy Weaver. He's a good friend of mine, Weaver Customs, out of uh, South Salt Lake, uh, West Jordan, Utah, I think it is, and, uh, or South Jordan, Utah and I uh, asked him if he would take the car and help me get it ready for Barrett Jackson and he's had it for the last six months and as you can see what he's done with it it's, it's stunning it's a beautiful car crazy question but what is the market you think for a 60 Plymouth that's done I mean this is outstanding I, it's an incredible build you guys did an incredible job at it rolling the dice and the car was the car speaks for itself it'll sell for whatever somebody wants to pay for it and you hope it what are you hoping to get money lots of it but we'll you know <laughs> I, I hear you okay so i gotta know you mentioned you traded five cars to get this what did you trade 
I traded a really nice 65 Sport Fury 383 automatic bucket seat car. I traded a 70 Duster drag car shell, uh, no running gear. I think it was two C-bodies, two uh, uh, 70, I think they were 71 Furies, four-door cars. So not as not good as nice cars, but you know, trade bait for him. Hey, it worked, right? And it worked. I finally got the car that I wanted. That 1960 Plymouth Fury of uh, Buddies, it sold at Barrett Jackson. Good effort, fifty-five thousand dollars. All right, now you've seen her on All Girls Garage with Bogey and Rachel, and on the Barrett Jackson Auto Auction coverage on Velocity, now Motor Trend and Discovery. And it's been a while since I had a chance to talk with Christy, uh, so we wanted to catch up with her and get the update on what she's been up to, starting with the time she brought her grandfather's car into the All Girls Garage workshop in Florida. We've actually worked on a few of my own personal projects, I guess you could say. Like, uh, we've worked on uh, one of my motorcycles once or twice. Uh, we worked on my dad's car. Um, and then uh, Grandpa's car, the one you're speaking of. It's a 67 Pontiac Grand Prix convertible. And uh, it's not my car, but it is a family car. And, uh, you know, Grandpa isn't able to work on it for himself anymore. So I had this great idea. Let's have the car towed from the Detroit, the Motor City, down to Florida, where we filmed the show. Triple A do that? Does that count on your uh, extended drive cart? <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. That's a little outside of the contract terms, I think. But uh, we had my friends at Reliable Carriers. Uh, they took really good care of me towing the car um, from, you know, basically across the country uh, down to the studio to get it worked on. So yeah, it was uh, it was fun to have the project in studio. It's, it's still in my garage, so it's kind of, you know, weird to see it in the studio and then back at home, of course. Um, but it's an ongoing project as uh, any restoration is. Now, is this a car you drive? Uh, no, because the car doesn't drive right now. So currently, the fuel tank isn't even hooked up. Um, so it starts, it'll run for a few minutes uh, with a kind of siphoned gas out of a bucket. Um, but, you know, driving really isn't uh, an option just yet. But the goal is to get it drivable. Um, so the fuel tank needs to be reinstalled. A couple of the lines need to be um, resituated. Uh, brakes are done. Uh, needs a new radiator. I've got that. Uh, new carburetor, which isn't new. It's just an older carburetor but just uh, had to, long story short, had to do some work on that, get that back on, and then all of the interior needs to be replaced. Uh, it's a convertible, so the top did leak at one point in time, so the interior's just completely destroyed. Floor pans are um, rotted out, rusted out, um, and all of the interior pieces are just totally trashed from all the water exposure. Um, so, yeah, once all that stuff gets done, the idea is to not make it, you know, a concourse-level restoration, but just get it back on the road. With um, all the spare time you have. Yes, yes, of course, with all that spare time, which is why the project has progressed so far. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot, uh, and I, I always have a lot of ongoing projects. You know, I've got the mini bikes that I race. I have a 125 bike as well, and then a track bike and a couple other bikes and, um, you know, a couple cars, and it's just, uh, you know, there's always projects. I've got a camper that needs uh, repair to the frame now, which is obvious, obviously something I'm not doing. Um, but what kind of camper? Um, I have a 36-foot toy hauler, so all these toys I have have to be, uh, you know, dragged to the track or to uh, to a place to ride in some way. So, yeah, I've got the, the toy hauler. It's got a 12-foot garage in the back. can fit three full-size sport bikes um, and uh, anything else you need, tools, equipment, toolbox, um, extra tires, gas, uh, generators, all that fun stuff we take to the track, and uh, living space up front. It's got a sleeper and a full bathroom, full kitchen. 
All the comforts of home, huh? All, all the comforts of home. I mean, it's not quite like home, but it's it's close. It's close. But, uh, you know, those campers, they're really cool. It's a, it's, it's a fun thing to have. It makes uh, track life a lot easier instead of tent camping. Uh, but they're basically toothpicks with wheels. So, you know, it's constant. There's always something wrong with the camper. All right, if you could do a project, you got everything out of the way, but a project for yourself, what would that be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, two things. I've always wanted to uh, build my own cafe racer bike, so a vintage motorcycle. Um, and then, obviously, my skill levels, you know, <laughs> I, I can build a bike, but uh, my welding and metal work uh, aren't my strong points. So there's only so much that I could personally do. Um, but, you know, build a cafe bike. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've wanted to build a truck for a long time, too. Uh, like I said um, earlier, I've got my eye on, the, you know, the late 40s, 50s, and then early 70s. Uh, C10 model Chevy trucks. I just kind of have an affection for them. Um, so I'd like to build a truck um, again within my uh, <laughs> within the availability I have with the garage and tools and equipment. I don't have a lift in my garage, um, so that's a big part of it. So frame off restorations and things of that nature. Those high caliber projects aren't really going to happen uh, under under my roof. Um, but you know, there's still a lot that can be done to a car and a lot that can be done to restore it or build it and make it your own. Um, and that's something I'd like to do eventually, whether I'll have the time for any of that. I don't know. <laughs> All right. In the future, are there any new projects that you're contemplating? Um, I have some new TV uh, and broadcast-related projects for 2019. Um, two new projects, actually. Unfortunately, I cannot disclose or discuss <gasps> any of them. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, one uh, in April, I can talk about it. Um, and then the other one, after February, I should be able to talk about it. Okay, so. Good. so the big question is, we now know you've expanded beyond Barrett-Jackson, expanded beyond SEMA and, and All Girls Garage. How did Mrs. Santa Claus come up? <laughs> well, I've had a great relationship with Dodge and uh, Fiat Chrysler uh, for a very, very long time. Um, so I've been working with FCA since before they were FCA back in the Chrysler days, um, like circa 2010. So it's a, it's a company I've been established with for a while. Their headquarters is only 20 minutes from my house. So, um, you know, they make a great product and Dodge is definitely their, one of their strongest brands. And, um, you know, obviously the muscle cars and speed and, and drag racing cars obviously, uh, you know, lend themselves to my interests. So uh, Dodge is a brand that I like and support and the new products are coming out that I also like and support. And, um, you know, they had me do a lot of projects with them this year and I got a phone call from um, someone within the company. Hey, so we're doing this uh, season, holiday season commercial and we'd like to have you in it. Cool. Had no idea it was as Mrs. Claus, uh, <laughs> side by side with uh, Goldberg as Santa. Um, but yeah, it was a really fun project. Uh, you know, it was, I've done a few uh, commercials over the years um, and they're always a big production. There's a lot of people and you don't spend very much time in front of the camera. I probably spent about 10 minutes collectively over three days in front of the camera, um, which isn't very much. But it was a really cool shoot. Um, this amazing warehouse. They had all the cars and lots of props. Big budget and uh, you know we had a lot of actors on set as well so uh, it was fun Bill's awesome um, Goldberg's a good time he's a big teddy bear too um, but we had a good time I, I'm not sure if I'd be the best Mrs. Claus but I think I was the best Mrs. Claus I could be <laughs> you de definitely now did you get a chance to drive the new sled I did not. Uh, the sleigh doesn't actually drive. It does run, though, so we did fire it up. Um, 
I'm not 100% sure how that car originated or what it originated as. Um, obviously a Challenger, um, but I think it was a car that they had uh, tracked out, and then they turned it and built it into this really awesome sleigh. The guys uh, shop out in L.A., um, they did some really cool stuff to that car. I mean, it was completely modified. The entire chassis, um, they, they changed the frame rails in order to put, like, basically casters on it so it could roll. And then the sleigh, metal sleigh pieces that you saw on the sides of it, they basically found a way to mount and demount those. So when they move it, they got to take those off because they basically brush the ground um, and then mount them back on when the car is standing still. So it's really cool. Um, they changed the entire back end of it, uh, the C-pillar. They hacked it up and made it like you know a little bit bigger so you could sit in it like a sleigh and then cut out all of the trunk to make space for presents, of course. Um, but yeah, that car was wicked cool. It was so awesome. And they had it uh, covered up when we first got on set so nobody could see it. And of course, you know, Bill and I are like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is Santa and Mrs. Claus. Like, we get some say here. Pull that tarp off. So I think we were some of the first people to get a sneak peek at it. But it was a cool machine, and it was a cool concept, and uh, the whole commercial was executed very well. Okay, so on a, uh, on a rating scale of zero, which is the hardest to do, ten was the easiest to do, how easy was it to get into that sleigh? Um, I mean, it wasn't really the most graceful thing. It was probably a lot easier for me to get into it than Bill Goldberg, um, being that he's like 6'4". <laughs> um, so, so you didn't go back? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, it, I mean, it did, actually. Like, the car, for the most part, the interior was pretty much fully functioning that you'd expect in a Challenger. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, the, do the doors were kind of unique and different. So, yeah, you kind of had to hop in. And, of course, with something like that, the last thing you want to do is kick the side of it and put it down in it or something crazy or scratch it um so i didn't want to bear that drama um so yeah it was kind of a dainty entrance and exit to the sleigh for sure mm -hmm. I, I just think in the past line of San, you know mrs clauses that we've had over the years just mm -hmm. where do you rank in the mrs claus list and what would be the hardest part about being mrs claus i don't know where do i rank <laughs> I, I don't have any to compare to you. I would, exactly. I can't think yeah. of a single Mrs. No. Claus, I mean, throughout the line. So obviously you're number one. Congratulations. Well, thank you. You guys are a great ranking committee. I really appreciate <laughs> right, it. We, we spend a lot of time with this, obviously. I Go can ahead. see a whole new series of movies from Tim Allen, The Mrs. Claus. Ooh, wait. I think that's done, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, maybe yeah. it does pretty good. Okay, so you can't tell us what your projects are until April, and that's fine. We understand that completely. We'll be back. Does it have anything to do with cars? Can you say that? Um, one of the new programs will be automotive related um, and also with Motor Trend. Um, and then one of the other new potential programs will be with a different network and not automotive related. Not automotive okay. related, which, Bob, you understand means yeah. it's either got something to do with dating, thermonuclear <laughs> physics, or maybe it has something to do with deep sea vibing. Are we close? You guys are good. You guys yeah. are really good. <laughs> it was all over her face. Yeah. I just thought it was, okay, I understand that. So, anyway, but uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, when we spoke to Bogey and Rachel last year, 
We talked about bumper stickers. Do you have a bumper sticker? Um, I oh currently God. do not have a bumper sticker. Um, I have a lot of bumper stickers and stickers of uh, all sorts, but no, I don't have any of my own stickers. Maybe I should work on that. Yeah, I, we, we talked about that, and, and Brandy ended up having the smallest sticker of all of us. No, I believe it was you, you who had the smallest sticker. Men always uh, get into this argument. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed that this was brought up well, right now. Can, you know, Bob, yeah. I can't take you anywhere. Well, you know, hey, we talked to Rachel. We talked to Bogey about it we can't leave her out uh-huh. absolutely and and she was the one that said something about size but that's all right let's not even no. get into that well no let's not even get into that okay cool so, last thought um you guys here at uh, barrett jackson it seems to get well for example you guys with the workload you do i mean you you're on you're in front of cameras four five six hours a day and it when it, this thing was like four days a week but this is now getting to be like a week plus. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. How do you keep your voice together? And what do you think about that? Um, well, to my friends and family's dismay, I actually never lose my voice. So <laughs> constantly talking. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess just experience of, you know, rambling a lot. Thankfully, I don't get a sore throat. But, uh, yeah, it's a tough week. It's a tough week. It's, it's amazing, but it's also it's a lot of work. Uh, we have six days on air with live TV. Um, so we have 37 hours of live TV coverage of the auctions on Motor Trend this whole week. Um, and we have two-hour call time prior to that for a production meeting. Then we go right into a full fax, which is basically checking all of the equipment, microphones, cameras, etc., radios. Um, and then we go into rehearsal. And then basically right from rehearsal, we go live on air. And that's how it goes every day. So, you know, even though today we're only on air for five hours. Um, Walk in the park. Yeah. Yeah. Piece yeah. of cake. Only five. <laughs> Um, you know, it, they become long days, and as, as the week progresses, the days become even longer. So uh, we get through it. Uh, thankfully, we love what we're doing. Um, the hardest part is just being around a lot of exhaust fumes. Like, it kind of wears on you after yeah. a couple of days. Um, so you get a little uh, little fatigued and uh, uh, more than you probably would in a normal setting. But that's kind of what comes with the territory with cars. But overall, it's, it's, an, it's an awesome event, awesome week. It's the biggest and best. I'm just thinking they could come up now with Motor Trend exhaust masks yeah there we go i think that's a thing they could sell and you could autograph it you do such a great job with personally autographing stuff there we go we'll uh we'll add that to the wardrobe budget thanks christy christy lee joining us from all girls garage and the barrett jackson broadcast now some interesting things to see at barrett jackson how you can take your harley davidson and turn it into a three-wheeler a trike or a four-wheel vehicle that's right Greg Hughes gives us the visual of a pretty cool idea. So what we have is the Q-Tech Engineering conversion kits for the Harley-Davidson Softail. So you can take our kits and we can take your Softail, take the front suspension off and put our front kit on it and have a reverse trike like a Can-Am where you have two tires in the front, one in the back. Or we can do the back kit where you have two in the back and one in the front and have a traditional trike. Or we can put both kits on and now you have a Harley-Davidson that's a quad. That's street legal. Implosion. Everybody's brain is just exploded right now who is listening to this. And you're not talking about just the small Harley Davidson. I mean, you've got some major beef Harley Davidsons here that you can do that to. Right. We use the Harley Davidson Softail model. And so any of those models, we can convert those. So those are coming with the big twin. It's not a little sporty. It's not a little 750. It's the actual big twin. Now that 
once you do that, I would imagine it changes the handling of your typical Harley Davidson a lot, doesn't it? Even, for example, one that has the single tire in the back or the single tire in the front with the trikes and, and all that. Yeah, when you go from riding a motorcycle, which you counter steer and lean into the corner, now you're going to be flat turning. You're going to be pointing to where you're going, just like you do with your car, but you're going to be doing it with handlebars, so you're going to point, twist, and go. Some of the people who've come by and, and purchased this, what's the kind of reaction are you getting from them as far as their enjoyment of the vehicle? Well, they just love the freedom of it, the worry-free riding. Because now, again, you're back to pointing where you're going, twisting the throttle, heading down the road. You don't have to worry about it when you come to a stop, when you got to put your foot down and lose it in gravel and dump your bike. You just get on it, go enjoy the wind, and have a good time. What do some of these go for? What, what kind of a range does it go for? You can convert your bike anywhere from about fourteen to 30000 depending on what kit you're going with. And I notice you have on some of these, they all have what appears to be kind of like an Alfa Romeo heart in the front of it as the, as the grill, if you will. Yes, that, uh, actually these were designed over in Europe. They come out of Belgium, so they have a very European flavor to them. But when you add that with a Harley, you just get a heck of a machine. How would people get a hold of you guys if they wanted to find out more? Just look us up at AmericanBikeAndTrike.com. And we're the distributor for U.S. and Canada. If you want to get one done, we can sell you one that's already done. Convert yours or find one and do a custom build for you. Also on display, a company that can send you a do-it-yourself classic hot rodder truck. They basically send you all the parts, and you can build it at home. They send you the body. They send you parts for a chassis. It's uh, pretty interesting. In fact, at Barrett-Jackson, they were actually putting a couple of them together. So you could have watched what's going on there and seen how easy it is or not, and uh, that if you wanted to get one, they'd give you the parts. So not too bad there. Now, if you're not really into engines, not sure why you're listening to this podcast, but if you're not into engines, there are mountain bikes. Mountain bikes where pedaling is optional because they all have electric motors on them. Jeff Fousey gave me the pitch. Well, you know, they're the wave of the future. They're, they're bicycles that have electric motors in them, so they're completely green. Uh, our, our highest powered one has a 1,000 watt motor, it has a 48 volt lithium ion battery, and it will go up to 50 miles per charge with both a pedal assist or a throttle mode. Or you can ride it just like a regular mountain bike. Now, how uh, fast do these go? They'll go, I've had kids unfortunately get them up to 40 mile an hour. I always say 30 mile per hour, but you can also program um, a governor into the LCD control so you can regulate the speed. What kind of response have you had to these? I mean, this is this seems to be taking the next step for uh, you know mountain bikes, that kind of thing. Yeah, it really is, and it's it's like I said, a wave that's coming, and, and we've had excellent response. We've sold a bunch of bikes. We've we've got dealers coming in interested in selling them across the country. What do these go for? Well, they start at about sixteen hundred and go all the way up to thirty five hundred for our high end model. That's the one with the refrigerator and the uh, big back seat. Well, we do have a trailer. I don't know if you saw the one with the trailer, but we have a trailer with a cooler in it. You can haul your uh, soft drinks or possibly even your adult beverages with you as you go out on the mountain trail. Just when I was trying to be off the wall funny, he has an answer for that too. <laughs> What's the best way online to get a hold of you? Well, the company name is Recon Power Bikes, and you can reach me at reconpowerbikes.com. Now, Myron Kuyava brought his car all the way from Minnesota to be sold at auction. He was given the opening slot on a Monday. That's right, a Monday. This was uh, very early in the auction. It's an unusual car. Myron was number one, and he had some really high hopes. Any concern at all because you're doing it on a Monday that you may not get the price you think you might? Yes. 
Yes, I am concerned. <laughs> it's the first car, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so that's, that's an interesting oh. Yes, so I'm concerned. Did they give you any special dispensation for being the very first car at the auction? No, they did not. How long have you had the car? What's the story behind this? I bought it new in, in 78. I ordered it, and then when it came in, I purchased it. How does it, how did it treat you with the diesel? Because there have been a lot of stories about Oldsmobiles and diesels. It, uh, it treated us very well, very well. How many miles are on it? Uh, 119,000. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have a bidder's tag on as well. Are you possibly going to bid for something else? Yes. Uh, got your eye on anything? Well, being this car's number one, I will know exactly how much money I have to spend. <laughs> so that part is good. So that basically will dictate your budget then. Yeah, right, I see, right. I see. What, what, what ideas did you have in mind? Something that... Uh, maybe an old Corvette or an old Thunderbird, something like that. Uh -huh. That's very good. So how many cars do you have at home? Twelve. Really? Yeah. Are they all American cars or what are they? Mm, yes. Well, one German, but yeah. But what's your favorite car that's still at one and one Japanese? Yeah. What's your favorite car that's still at home? Uh, '63 split window coupe. Oh. Yeah. Wow. You are a GM aficionado. A little bit, yeah. So you like Corvettes? So do you have more than that at home? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very good. So you're going to look for. Is there one Corvette that you've been eyeing here? Not one in particular, no. Well, good luck. I hope we're going to be watching as you go over with the... Oh, how much are you hoping it'll get? What are you looking for? Uh, when when we registered it, they asked, and I told them 20000 So that would... I like that you're Mr. Optimism. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> as you heard, Myron wanted $20,000. Unfortunately, the actual sale price came up a bit short of that. About 90% short. It was sold... For 2000 bucks, no word if his wife was the one that bought it, so they could just say, take it home, put it on eBay, just saying. So what kind of person was looking for a car on a Monday? Obviously, someone who wanted a deal so they could keep it or flip it. Ronnie Craig works for a rather well-known classic car seller, Duffy's in Iowa. Uh, being a good bottom feeder, <laughs> looking for a bargain. I'm hoping there's not as many big money buyers in the crowd and there's cars that are worth buying that because i'm i'm a dealer i retail so i'm trying to buy wholesale well i was gonna say anything special you're looking for the deal nothing special i, I don't pigeonhole myself we have a we run the gambit from american moderate cars to Porsches and Ferraris and whatever. So. Talk about the art of the deal, though. When you're dealing with Barrett-Jackson in this situation, I mean, you're looking for a certain thing. How do you, do you do a lot of research, or do you just show up and say, hey, that looks pretty good, that looks pretty good, and it's a Monday, I'll get a good deal, or what? Well, I'm hoping that 30 years in the business gives me a little credibility in what I'm doing. So, that you know, I just, I have an idea of what I can sell a car for, uh, hopefully I have a learned eye and I can discern what I need to about the car itself. And I look at what I can sell it for, what I think I'll have to put in it, because I'm pretty big on reconditioning. And at that point, um, I determine what I can pay for it. And if, I, if it's too much, I move on. Have you seen it? Have you gone through there and seen anything that kind of strikes your eye? A few, yeah. 
well, let's see what the crowd's like when the when the lights come on. So yeah, no, that's true. Cause you're not going to give the same kind of ability to turn things around as you will now, as opposed to later in the week. Yeah, when as the week goes on, uh, the big more retail buyers show up. The corporate jets start landing over here. <laughs> Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to all of our podcasts here on Radio.com, KNX1070.com, or if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us. It's absolutely free. Rate us five stars, because if you rate us and then you write a little comment, we get higher up the top 200 automobile podcast rankings. Believe it or not, there's a ranking to all this. And if you want to sponsor an episode or two of Talking About Cars, reach us at talkingaboutcars at gmail.com. Our website is talkingaboutcars.net, where I include some background to the interview, so you'll get a little behind the scenes there. And make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and you can watch some of our videos. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.